Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Once again, our God, we come before you in the blood righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have an advocate with you. And we thank you that he always soothes our case in a righteous and a just way. Help us to better appreciate the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and you in giving Him to die for our sins according to the Scriptures. I confess for myself and I believe that it may very well be with believers in general that all too much we know these truths in our head more than they capture our souls. And it may be our God <clears throat> that if we, if, we, if we did experience them as we desire, that we would not be able to live on this earth. We don't know that, but I'm reminded of an old, old John Warburton in his dying hours, that there were times that you manifest your presence to him so greatly that he had to ask that you withdraw your presence because he couldn't take any more. And yes, he had his low spots during those same departing days. But there will be a day when we shall be with you. We shall be like thy darling Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we shall see Him as He is. And we will tabernacle with you in the many abiding places that there are in the holy city, the new Jerusalem. We try to visualize what that might be like, but there's no way. And some of the descriptive language that you have given to it in your word is so profound that it's hard for us to even lay hold upon that language in a natural way, much less with it being elevated with all spirituality in Christ Jesus. Bless us now as we continue 
studying in your word and worshiping you this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> We're still studying in the book of Galatians and we come now to the uh, basically the last section of chapter 5 which is verses 16 through 26. <clears throat> I don't know that we'll get out of verse 16 this morning really, but I want to read, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> seems like something stuck in my throat. <clears> throat. I want to kindly set this in the context this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. I want to say at this point <clears throat> that this is not a full list of the works of the flesh. This is only representative. And, uh, 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 and I'll say something else while I think about it. If you'll notice, when you read other passages in the Scriptures, whether it be the works that come from the heart that our Lord spoke about in the Gospels or some of the lists that Paul gave in Galatians and other places, I mean in Corinthians and other places. If you'll notice that sexual sins are usually at the first, which shows the wickedness of mankind and which emphasizes the uh, the wrath of God that is against mankind for such sins. <clears throat> uh, and such like, verse 21, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And this too is not a, a full list. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. What does that say about many professors today and their lifestyle? It says, they that are Christ 
have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Today I want to draw our attention to what it is to walk in the Spirit. What is it to walk in the Spirit? Notice verse 16 exhorts us that we are to walk, that is, we are to live in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Walking or living in the Spirit is not some idea of having a euphoria of experience which God gives individuals so that they have some divine insight. That's nothing more than the lust of the flesh in reality. I remember early in my Christian journey, I kept trying to figure out uh, some emotional sensation that I might attain to know that I was walking in the Spirit. And if you'll note in the world of Christianity, there's a lot of people that say that they're walking in the Spirit and claim to be walking in the Spirit and there's a whole lot of different ideas and opinions as to what that is. For example... To those that think that speaking in tongues is walking in the Spirit. Others to say that you have to have some other type of emotional experience. but And that's walking in the Spirit. And so you have all these different ideas and opinions as to what walking in the Spirit is. And if you go to your average so-called Christian bookstore and pick up a book on walking in the Spirit, most likely when you get through, you're about as confused as much as you were before you ever started. But I can tell you this, that walking in the Spirit is never contrary to the clear teaching of the Holy Scriptures. Walking in the Spirit is never contrary to the clear teaching of the, walk of the Scriptures. This reminds me of several years ago, brother and sister guests uh, were talking to a young lady, <clears throat> and she professed to be a Christian, but she was engaged to be married to a Muslim. And so they tried to talk to her about that. And she said, well, she, you know, she just, she believed that that's what God was telling her to do to marry this man because she loved him and he loved her and so on and so on and so forth. Well, she was wrong. She was wrong. You say, how can you say she was wrong? Because Second Corinthians says that a believer is not to be joined together with an unbeliever. Clear as crystal. 
I don't care what feelings, what emotions she had. She had no right to even be courting or dating or contemplating marriage with an unbeliever. She had no right. It was not scriptural. It was not spiritual. And all of the feelings that she had was not of the Lord. You say, well, you, you don't know. Yes, I do. That's what the Bible says. I'll just take the time and turn to it. Uh, this is all we need. Second Corinthians. Chapter 6. Verse 14. And be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That right there is enough. That right there is enough. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And so on. You say, well, you're just being quite hard. No, I'm just being, I'm just telling you what God said. And if you're, if you're a believer, then you're going to do and want to do what God said. You know, we already read it in verse 24 where it said, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. So walking in the Spirit is not you trying to figure out what spiritual level from an emotional idea or from some intellectual idea, or from some natural reasoning, that now I have attained and know what walking in the Spirit is. Now it is obvious that walking in the Spirit is contrary to walking in the flesh. Now we know that. We know that from our text. But also look in Romans chapter 8. We could flood you with scriptures along this line, but we won't. But we do want to bring some things to your remembrance. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to, the, to, to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So, those two scriptures also, and if we would want to extend our study, we would go into more in depth in Romans 8. But the thing about it is, walking in the Spirit is contrary to walking in the flesh. Or, let's put it this way, living in the Spirit is contrary to living in the flesh. When it's talking about walking, this is talking about a lifestyle, a way of life. And no one walks in the Spirit 
unless he is in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ Jesus, you cannot walk in the Spirit. Now you may do scriptural things, but your heart would not be in it. To walk in the Spirit, we can say this without question, to walk in the Spirit is to trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't read verses 2 and 3 of Romans 8, but I want to read now all four verses. And you can see from this that one is walking in the Spirit. He is trusting in the finished work of Christ. He's not looking to legalism or any other things. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then verse 13, for time's sake. <clears throat> for, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now, everything that I'm going to say, obviously, you must have the Holy Spirit to do it. You cannot walk in the, in the Spirit by yourself. Like I said earlier, you may do scriptural things. In other words, you might not steal. But you, the reason you're not stealing is not for the glory of God, you're it's for some other reason. You're not. That's not walking in the flesh. I mean, in the spirit. Now I'm going to tell you what walking in the spirit is, and then we're going to look at a, at several passages of scripture. Walking in the spirit is living in obedience. To God and His Word. Now if somebody asks you, are you walking in the Spirit? From that, that definition, you can either answer yes or no. That you're either walking according to the Word of God or not. And you know how you're living. You know how you're living. Walking in the Spirit is living in obedience to God and His Word. Let's look first of all at John chapter 14. John chapter 14.
First of all, in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. You all have heard me emphasize this time and time again. If you love God, you're going to be keeping His commandments. And children, if you love mom and daddy, you're going to be keeping their commandments. No question about it. No question about it. If you don't want to, you can say, tell your mom and daddy you love them, but if you're not desiring to keep their commandments, you're not loving them. That's just as simple as I can get it. <laughs> and it's as plain as, as, as the old saying, as plain as the nose on your face. <laughs> and with some of us, it's plainer than others. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. How do I know that the Spirit is dwelling in me and with me? How are you living? How are you walking? If you're not obeying the Word of God, you cannot have assurance that the Spirit is in you. Now we're not talking about, I need to give this caveat, sad to say, especially with this modern generation, we're not talking about sinless perfection. We're talking about a way of life. I live at 152 Maple Lane. But I'm not always there. Sometimes I go on preaching trips and I'm in somebody else's house. And they may say, make yourself at home. Well, they can say that, but there are some rooms and some drawers and some uh, places in the house that I, I don't have access to. But where I live, I have access to every room in the house. I have access to everything. That's where I live. But that's not where I am all the time. If we're living in the Spirit, then we're going to be obeying what the Scriptures teach. Though there are times that we sin. In fact, Every day. Every day. You know, in the Old Testament, they had a sacrifice for the sins of ignorance. There's many things we do that we don't even know whether they're sin or not. And sometimes we do something, we wonder, well, is that sinful or not? We think, well, I don't see any sin in it. But then we wonder uh, how our heart was when we did it. Drop down to verse 21. Well, now let's just go ahead and keep reading. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless, 
I will come to you. That word for comfort is orphan. God's not going to leave us to ourselves. You know, we sing the song sometimes that God, where He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Well, how firm a foundation I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. From Hebrews 13, where God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We don't always feel that, do we? But it's still true. Verse 19, yet a, little, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And you're going to know something. You're going to know that Christ is with the Father. But you're also going to know that Christ is in you and that you're in Christ. How can I know that? How can I know that? Well, we're going to see this more so. <clears throat> but I want to digress here for a few moments. Early in my Christian growth, or starting in my Christian life, I should say, uh, our people went through a phase where uh, there was arguments in, in their religious newspapers as to whether you could or could not know that you were a child of God. For the life of me, I cannot understand how any minister that knows the Scriptures could ever want to take up the idea that you couldn't know that you're a child of God. But they wanted to create a straw man and say that you could know without a shadow of a doubt. Well, I can tell you this, I don't even know that God exists beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because there have been times I've had atheistic thoughts. I've had doubts. It didn't take long for me to get out of it. <laughs> but the point is, we can't do anything because we're sinners beyond a shadow of a doubt. But the thing about it is, the Scripture says we can know. And just as we're talking about this lifestyle of walking in, a, uh, walking in the Spirit... That you can know, as a general rule, that you are a child of grace. And that God dwells in you, and you dwell in God. Verse 21. Notice. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Now, let me ask you something. Do you love God? No. Are you keeping His commandments? You can either say yes or no. And don't have any false humility. You know, sometimes we, we're afraid that we might, somebody might think that we're being proud or something. But we need to be able to say, especially before God, whether we're keeping His commandments or not. 
Again, we're not talking about perfectly, but we're talking about a lifestyle of living in obedience to the Scriptures. Verse 21 again. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. Anyone who knows the commandments of God and is living in such a way that he is doing his best, not in order to be saved, but he's doing his best because he loves God and he loves the commandments of God. It is he that loveth me. And you can get up on the wrong side of the bed in the morning, but you can either know whether you're loving God or not. Not by how you feel, but by how you live. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, when we read passages like that, it is easy for us to say, well, I know that's true about God's children. But sometimes I, I just wonder if, if it's true about me. Can you answer the questions that is put before you here? You should be able to look at the. God did not put this in the God did not put this in the scriptures to say what he thinks about God's people. God put that in the scriptures for you, believer, that you may know that Christ dwells in you and you're dwelling in Christ. You see, it's not some uh, mystical thing that you have uh, some euphoria that you get into some mindset. It is just as plain as everyday living. Judas saith unto him, not his chariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, period. Actually, it's a colon there. But, <laughs> but if a man loves God, you're going to be keeping his word. Do you love God? Well, I don't know whether I do or not. Are you keeping His Word? Well, I, I believe I am. Then believe God. Believe God. Don't believe your wicked heart. Believe God. And my Father will love Him. And we will come unto Him and make our abode with Him. Now, beloved, that's a profound statement. Think about the eternal God that never began. Always existed. Always will exist. The Creator of the universe loves you so much 
that He lives with and in you. You say, well, how do I know that? Are you keeping His Word? You say, well, you, you, you're saying this over and over again. I want to drive it home. As, as I want to pound it in and make sure the nail is flush. And if it goes through the other side, that it's bent over. I want to make sure because, beloved, we need to hear this all the time. You know why? Because you're a sinner. You know more about sinning than you know more about holiness. And you know more about doubting God's Word than you do believing God's Word because you're a sinner. And you live in a sinful body. And you live in a sinful world. And you have a sinful advocate. The devil. And we need to be reminded of the simplicity of the Word of God. Now it's profound to live. But the simplicity of it it's, it's clear. It's clear. Verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Now remember these keepeth and loveth are in present tense. It's talking about a habitual way of life. And the word which ye hear is not mine but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Well, how's the Holy Spirit going to bring it to your remembrance? First of all, by you reading the Word. And secondly, by me reminding you. By me reminded you. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He works through His Word. He works through ministers. Now He can do it uh, immediately like He does with regeneration. But He put preachers here for a reason and He put the Word here for a reason. And it's in order that, that you might Read and study the Word of God and that you might know that you have eternal life. Now we'll drive this home a little bit more when we get through the book of Galatians and start through 1 John. As I mentioned last Lord's Day. Because 1 John is really full of knowing. As we'll see then. But let's look at 1 John now. We'll look at some other verses in 1 John. I remember when I was teaching, I found out that, and I'm sure I've said this before, that you have to say something to a child seven times before they begin to start catching on. And you remember that Isaiah talks about how do you teach 
line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Well, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're going over and over and over. I won't be like the, the preacher I heard one time. Uh, he was always preaching on baptism. And finally, a committee went to him, wanted to know why he was always preaching on baptism. He said, well, when you do that, I'll start preaching something else. <laughs> so, but seriously, beloved, if you're anything like I am, you have your doubts and your fears and your struggles and your questions, but we must constantly go back to the Word of God. Back to the Word of God. Back to the Word of God. <clears throat> and God's Word can say it better than I do. That's the reason I try to give a lot of Scriptures. Also to show that it's not just my opinion. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Isn't it uh, unique that the, the apostle of love uses the word lie more than anyone else. If we say that we have fellowship with God and we walk in darkness, if we're living in darkness, if we're doing dark things, if we're, if we're looking at the world then we're in darkness. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sins. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, let me try to bring this down to where we are today for a moment. We live in a world that is filled with all kinds of injustices. And if all you ever do is watch the news or read the news, you're going to be in darkness. Because you're going to be looking at everything from a human perspective and trying to figure out what needs to be done to change the way the world is. Well, first of all, God did not send the Lord Jesus Christ into this world to die for people for them to change the world. That would be nice if we could, but we can't. But He did send His Son into this world that we might be filled 
in our minds, in our thinking, with the things of God. I can watch the news. I can watch podcasts. I can watch uh, all kinds of programs about the world and what needs to be done to change the world. And you have hear about as many different opinions as the people that you watch or listen to. But let me ask you something. What can you do to change our society the way it is? Now you might vote for someone. You might do some things like that and you can pray. But to allow what's going on in this world to rob us of communing and fellowship with God is sinful. God would not have us to be absorbed with the world and I'm just focusing on one part of it. I'm just saying just the news situation. God would not have us to focus on the world to rob us of our spiritual union and communion and fellowship with the Lord. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch news. I'm not saying it's wrong to know what's going on. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to emphasize walking in the Spirit. And it has to do with filling your minds and hearts with the things of the Word of God and not the things of this world of which you have no control over nor can you change. Back in the 80s, maybe into the 90s, I don't remember, some of it started in the 70s, when I started reading a lot about the world and the world situation and what's going on in the world. And in the 80s, I went to some meetings at that time. Most of them were called and they were headed by a man in Memphis, Tennessee by the name of Ed McIntyre called the Religious Roundtable. They had some meetings in Memphis. had some in Washington. I went to one in Washington. There was other. There was a famous preacher at that time. Uh, can't think of his first name. His last name was Robertson. But he had a uh, a Dallas a convention in Dallas, Texas, and I was there when Pre- President Reagan, or, or well, running for president, when he was there. And I was there when he was come to uh, talk to us and and talk about all the things that trying to get voted, uh, to get elected. He even mentioned Roger Williams and Isaac Backus in his in his speech there in 1980 or 80, 80 something. I don't forgot which right now. 
But I was involved in all of that. You know, none of that improved my spirituality. It didn't cause me to get closer to the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm just focusing. I've kind of sidetracked here a little bit from looking. We're going to look at some more scriptures. But what I'm trying to show how that something as seemingly unimportant, well, now seemingly important, and it is important to some degree. How we can allow things like that to rob us of walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. The books and the literature that I read back then in the 70s and 80s, you would think that our nation is just going to come crumbling down any day. Well, the same things that were said then are still being said today. And particularly with what's going on in our nation, everybody thinks, you know, we think the Lord, He's going to come back any day now. And I lean toward that mentality. But you know it might be another 50 or 100 or 200 or even longer years before the Lord returns. You know Manasseh was a wicked king. But he had a son, Josiah, that was a good king. I forget 30 or 50 years that Josiah reigned. Uh, I could probably... I think I've got a piece of paper here that might tell some of that. Uh, yeah, it was about 50, maybe 50 years or longer in that time. After Manasseh, wicked king. And then everything was good. They had Josiah. He restored uh, religious worship and so on in Israel. But after Josiah died... God said, I'm going to bring judgment on Israel because of Manasseh's sins. What I'm saying is, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a prophet, and I, I'm surely not the son of a prophet. You know, God, God could roll back and give us some good years and we think, oh, everything's just hunky-dory. But I can assure you one thing, we're under the judgment of God. When He's going to bring the hammer down, only He knows. But I can assure you of one other thing. Whether He does or whether He doesn't, you can walk in the Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh by just simply keeping your nose in the book And if I'm preaching the truth, (laughs) 
give heed to what's being said. And that's what God has you here for, is to walk in the Spirit and to be a witness of, of Him and for, for Him. If you're wringing your hands like the world is of what's going to happen, you're no better than the world. You're not a witness for God. See, I haven't even talked about robbing banks and killing folks and things of that nature. Just where we are in everyday life. Where we are in everyday life. Well, chapter 2 of 1 John. I'm not going to get through with this this morning, but that's okay. It's more important that you get the lesson than I get through a certain point on my outline. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Now, it would probably be better in our vernacular today to use the word since instead of if. Because God's children, as we read in Galatians, they do crucify the flesh. So we could say that this way to give a more positive twist to it. And hereby, we do know that we know Him since we keep His commandments. In other words, we know that we know Him. We know that we know Him. Now I'm going to say more about that verse when we get to going through 1 John. But verse 4, He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, that is, the man that says, I know Him, but he's not living in obeying and keeping the commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We have people out here in the world that say that they can live together in same-sex relationship and Christians. They're liars. Because that's what the Word of God says. But whoso, verse 5, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, that is, mature, and hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Would you like to walk like the Lord? Keep His commandments. Now there's one difference about you and the Lord's walk. The Lord didn't sin. You still sin. Though you do not practice it, though you do not uh, habitually lie, you might 
slip up and tell a lie intentionally or unintentionally. But you don't go about day after day after day lying and lying and lying and lying. I hope you're getting the picture. Drop down to verse 24. Same verse, that same chapter. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. So you see, walking in the Spirit is eternal life. Do you have eternal life? Are you walking in the Spirit? See how all this flows together? Drop down to verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. I'm going to pause there for just a moment. I may run over just a tad, but I'm, this is important. Sometimes we think that we. What is this anointing? Is it some spiritual euphoria? I don't think so. I think it's just simply the Holy Spirit. And how do you know that this anointing, how do you know that the Holy Spirit is abiding in you? By how you walk. By how you walk. See, we, we want to complicate things. And the more we complicate things, the more we confuse things. When God has made it quite simple, and that's profound enough. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you. Who is it that teaches you? The Holy Spirit. We read that in John 14. But the same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is of no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in Him. And now little children abide in Him that when He shall appear ye may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. We'll stop there. But I hope you're getting the picture. You might say, well, I think you've, I think you've drawn the picture enough. Well, we're going to try to fine-tune it by giving a few more, Lord willing, this afternoon because, beloved, we're sinners. And we live in a sinful body. And we have a far, far greater tendency to believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs than we do of believing our beliefs and doubting our doubts.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for the simplicity of your word and frankly sometimes we're tempted to say that's just too simple it's got to be more than it's, it's got to be something bigger why why should we seek for something bigger when we have enough difficulty living what has been said yes we do sin and we thank you that we have an advocate with you Jesus Christ the righteous but we thank you that you have given us concrete evidence of how we can know that we know you and that you know us and you are in us and we are in you. I ask my God that you would sanctify the truths of these scriptures to all who hear. In Jesus' name, Amen.